This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 148. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye what it do btm tribe welcome to this brand new installment of the before the millions podcast guys i am so excited for this week this week we're launching guys we're actually launching it's been a long time coming i'll talk about this more a little bit later but right now i want to get to the business at hand because this may be an opportunity for you to take advantage of a very slept on strategy in the real estate world 80 percent of people today cannot qualify for a mortgage if they just walk to the bank and applied for a loan and wanted to get a new home. 80% of people, they would either need a few months or a few years of seasoning. They would need to improve their credit score. They would need to get their debt to income ratio to balance the right way. I mean, there's small, little, and sometimes even big things that need to change in order for many people today to get approved for a loan. With that being said, guys, that provides a massive opportunity for you as an investor to take advantage of. So typically as a real estate investor, when you get a property under contract with a date to close on this property in the future, there are a few options as to how and if you should close on the property. And this all kind of depends on your real estate investing strategy, not only the strategy that you use to acquire the property, but also the strategy in which you implement to exit the property. So let me explain. Oftentimes, the average real estate investor is investing for lump sum cash, which are massive payouts, maybe like a fix and flip or a wholesale deal or cash flow, which is monthly reoccurring revenue, something like a rental property. So when you get a property under contract, you have the ability to either perform something that's going to make you a whole lot of money up front or something that's going to pay you money over time. So the vehicles that pay you a whole lot of money up front and are risk-free are vehicles like wholesaling because, because you're assigning your rights to a contract that you have with a seller before needing to close on a property and you have little to no money in the deal. This is what makes it as close to risk-free as possible. And ultimately, when you wholesale a deal to an investor, you're actually assigning your contract to buy the property to that investor. These types of investors in which you'll be assigning your contract to are often fixers and flippers. 
And in order for a fixer and flipper to make money off of a wholesale contract, they need to have bought the property at a deep discount. So far below what the property could be worth if it was all fixed up. Now, typically investors like to buy properties at between 60 and 70% of ARV, the after repair value. So the potential value of the property once it's all fixed up, 60 and 70%, maybe even 75% in some markets. For rental property investors, as opposed to fixers and flippers, these investors, they're okay with 75%, maybe 80%, 85% of the after repair value. Reason being is now the typical home buyer, the traditional buyer is going to want to pay between 90% and 100% of the after repair value. So if you know your exit strategy, you can, you can look at your deal and already start to understand who's the perfect end buyer, who's the perfect investor, fixer and flipper for this particular deal based on what the numbers shake out to. There's a fourth category of property buyers that are not fixers and flippers. They're not rental property investors. They're not even traditional home buyers. These individuals, they cannot qualify for financing today. In a traditional sense, they cannot walk into a bank and get a loan for a property that they want to buy. So oftentimes what they do is they will wait and rent until they're able to qualify. Now, we're not going to get into all the specifics today because we've covered this on a few previous episodes. But in essence, getting a property under contract and marketing to those types of buyers allows you to sell a property at full price, the ARV, or even a little bit over what the property is worth. So in terms of why these buyers, which we call tenant buyers on a rent to own program or on a lease purchase program, the reason why they would do that is going to all be explained on today's episode. Now, these payouts, they're way larger than wholesale payouts. So if you're making five, 10 grand on a wholesale, you could be making 40, 50, 60 grand on these type of assignments. And the cool thing again about these assignments is because it's an assignment, you're not actually closing on the property. They're just as risk-free and just as lucrative. So this is why I don't fix and flip personally, because I make fixing and flipping type of income on a strategy that is a lot less time intensive and way less money intensive. And this is just one of the few strategies that compromise the motivated seller method. And in my upcoming masterclass, which you'll get details on in the tip of the week, I'm going to break down my entire model, all of my strategies, and show you why it's the most effective in the biz. But back to the tenant buyer strategy, I want you to know that this is not just for assignments. If you own a property now, if you decide to own a property in the future, if you decide to take down a property with one of the strategies under the motivated seller method, like owner financing, again, another strategy in which you can buy a property with none of your own money. This is more of a cash flow strategy, but let's just say you decide to sell, which actually turns out to be a better option than just a tenant buyer assignment or just an owner finance deal. Like when you combine these two, magic really happens. But let's just say, again, just for simplicity's sake, that you decide to sell. You don't have to sell to an investor. You don't have to sell to a traditional buyer. You can sell to, again, a tenant buyer. And the reasons that you may want to sell to a tenant buyer is because you're going to be able to make way more money. You're going to be able to price the property for a higher amount than you usually would be able to do. You're going to get to experience some tax benefits and you'll be able to avoid some of those capital gains. Maybe you no longer want to be a landlord. And instead of landlording tenants, if you put a tenant buyer in that same position that a tenant would have been in, 
with the idea that they're going to purchase the property in the next two years. Well, they're already acting as the buyer today. So there's no, hey, landlord, come fix this, come fix that. No. They are the buyers and they are responsible for all of the repairs and maintenance on the property. So you, you're no longer a landlord pursuing the strategy, but you're still collecting the same rent, if not more rent than you would have as a landlord while achieving a higher than normal sales price. Also, the strategy is good as a, as an exit strategy. If you just don't need the money right now, if you just need somewhere to put your money, have it, have it working for you. It's a great strategy to make sure that you have in your arsenal, regardless if you're doing assignments or if you're taking down properties and you're looking to offload some of your properties. That's enough of a teaching lesson for today. I will cover the entire how to find tenant buyer strategy and the rest of my strategies on my masterclass. And I'll talk more about where you can sign up for that. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Mr. Paul Ritter. And I have the pleasure of doing business with Mr. Paul Ritter. Paul runs a credit check background and pre-screening company. So in essence, they do a lot of the heavy lifting when I find my tenant buyers. The entire process that a tenant buyer goes through, just like the regular tenant process, when you're making sure you're putting the right tenants in your units, there's a very similar but more stringent tenant buyer process to make sure that you're putting the right buyer in your units to rent out for the next few months until they get mortgage qualified. So Paul's team, they actually do something that most credit repair companies and most pre-screening companies don't do at all. They cater to the needs of an investor. And we're going to talk a lot about that on today's show and why I use him and his wife. But just as a sneak peek, one thing that really differentiates Paul and his company from a lot of the credit repair companies is, you know, you may get your results from another credit repair company in hours or even in minutes because they're just going back in all the databases and they're taking a snapshot of your tenant buyer's credit history. Anybody can do that. You can do that yourself. What Paul and his team does is they actually give you a report. And it takes three or four days for them to get back to you with this report because they're crunching numbers and they're looking at other factors that don't necessarily show up on your credit report to determine when your tenant buyer is going to be mortgage ready. And I find this invaluable because it helps me put together contracts the right way. They're super hands on. They pick up the phone for any and everybody who has a question. So again, they will walk your tenant buyers through the entire process. This is a great automation slash outsourcing mechanism for me and my business and also my coaching clients. So when it comes to pre-screening, getting a tenant buyer mortgage ready over the course of the next few months to years, I leave all of that to Paul. And I just make sure once all that is done, I put in the tenant buyer on my property and I start cash flowing or I sign the property that I got under contract to a tenant buyer and I get a large lump sum payout. Meanwhile, the original seller of that deal, they start cash flowing, which is awesome, but they also get paid way more than they would have gotten on market. And oftentimes, a lot of the sellers that I get via these types of transactions are disgruntled sellers who took their property on the market with a realtor and it wasn't able to sell. And then we're able to sell their property not only in a faster time, but also for a much higher price. And we collect the fee for doing that. So it's a win-win across the board. And I can't wait for you guys to learn a little bit more about this process. So let's get to the tip of the week. And then let's actually get to talking with Paul about his business and how everything works. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay. This tip of the week is to tell you, to explain to you, to iterate to you why it is imperative that you join me on my brand new live. Did I say it was live? Live 
master class. And this master class is called four keys to building a lifestyle business through real estate. And to reserve your seat, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass. Guys, there's only going to be exactly 150 seats available. I guarantee you, you do not want to wait till the last minute. Just head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass and sign up for the class now. Here are some of the things that you're going to learn in this masterclass. You're going to learn two of the most profitable strategies in real estate today. Again, some of the strategies that I mentioned in the intro, strategies that dramatically cut down your risk and that can still be utilized with no cash, credit, or banks. You're going to learn the key shift that disconnects your time from your income. And this is the shift that really enables real estate investors and entrepreneurs to create what we like to term a lifestyle business. You're going to learn the highest converting approach to closing deals with motivated sellers. So this is going to reduce the icky feeling that you get when it comes to getting on the phone or talking with sellers or putting yourself out there. Um, it's not going to be a sales conversation. You're going to learn how to serve a seller and create a profitable real estate transaction for yourself. You're going to learn the single most effective way to become a real estate investor in 2020. And then I'm also going to show you why this is important to do right out of the gate. If you're just getting started, it's going to help you stay motivated throughout your business building journey. So you absolutely do not want to miss this masterclass. It's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass. And then when it's all said and done, when it's all wrapped up, when you've learned a ton of massive information for you to use in your real estate business moving forward, we're going to have a nice, intimate Q&A session at the end where I'll be answering all your questions for the rest of the night. So. This is an opportunity that, again, will not come very often. You want to head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass. And if it's just for us to talk strategy at the end of the masterclass, to talk about the questions that you have, to talk about the deals that you're currently going through right now, it is well worth your attendance. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Ritter. Hey, Paul, how's it going today? Well, thank you, DeRay, and thank you for the warm welcome. I'm looking to forward to giving some good information to the BTM tribe. Let's take a dive into the time machine. Um, take me back to the, kind of the first thoughts of, hey, I want, I want to start building something. I want to start doing something. I want to start serving people in a different capacity. When, when did come, some of these thoughts start happening for you? I, I am like the ultimate entrepreneur. The day I graduated college, I knew that I was going to be in my own business. I was not going to be working for the man. I wanted to have my own business. So the roots go way back there. And uh, yes, I did have some nine to five jobs along the way. I actually worked with IBM and I worked a lot with computers. And it kind of brought me to the area of real estate, actually through the mortgage end of it. And as I was a mortgage broker, I, I finally figured out how to get my own mortgage company. I owned and operated several different mortgage companies in the 90s when the market was really strong. And through that, that's where I got introduced to credit repair. Credit repair came on the scene for me back at about 1997. So you can do the quick math, about 22 years in the uh, industry so far. So I was one of the pioneers in this industry. And I've, I am your true rags to riches to rags again, back to riches again. And in between, I, I, I go in between quite often based upon life events. Let's kind of take a microscopic approach to that very first time you, you came across the credit repair industry. What was appealing about the credit repair industry at the time for you personally? 
Well, I actually knew a bunch of other mortgage brokers. It's always good, no matter what industry you're in, to know your competitors, actually and to be friends with your competitors. Um, and so I knew a lot of people and I, and I got introduced to credit repair because I went through a divorce and it was a kind of a nasty one and it was, it was a train wreck. And as it wreaked havoc on my credit report, I found about, out about this service that was uh, being offered by a multi-level marketing company that uh, actually took a bankruptcy off my credit report. And I was like, wow, light bulbs went off. I was like, wow, this really looks cool. And it was like the, my first introduction to it. So all the other mortgage broker friends that I had after I told them that story, they said, well, how'd you do that? And I said, well, you know, I started doing it myself and they started bringing me their business. And I said, you know, I'm a mortgage broker too. I actually can take your deals, but that's not the way I went. I learned to uh, have people entrust me and entrust them. And the business just grew and took off ever since then. That was back in 1997. I actually opened my doors up in 2004 with this business and I haven't looked back since. You took what could have been probably one of the most trying times in your life. You saw a way for you to not only uh, improve your credit, but you also saw a business opportunity in that because it had such a profound impact on you, you're like, wow, like they took a whole bankruptcy off my credit report. I need to tell other people about this. I need to be able to serve other people with it. Like like you wanted to get that. It sounded like you wanted to get that message out. And that the entrepreneurs that I see find success are the people who find a problem that needs solving, right? And that's kind of what you realized. It was like your light bulb moment. You said that you didn't put the doors up until 2004. What do you mean by that? Well, that's when I actually got my uh, pen, my license, my Pennsylvania um well, all the paperwork that you needed to do for open for business, and I opened up the business and got my uh, my EIN and and so on. So that's when actually it all started. Unofficially, I had been doing some work before that on Excel spreadsheets. Our old friend Excel spreadsheets. That's how we actually drafted the letters in the early stages of this before we actually developed our own software. But when I say I'm the I'm the ultimate entrepreneur. There was no manual and there was no guide and this is not a franchise and this is nobody. This is the wild, wild west. When I started, there was nobody doing this and, and it really, you really had to figure it out, you know, based upon even the tools at that time. And it was not easy, you know, and you didn't have, uh, email was around, but it wasn't as proficient as it was now. So using, uh, those barbaric tools, um, it was very cumbersome, but, uh, you know, people, uh, whenever you have a need and you have a desire, then there's a solution. Yeah. When you're talking about the bulk of the work that you were needing to figure out, was it more so on the entrepreneurial side, just figuring out how to build a business, something that you may have not had done before? Or was it more so figuring out like the inner workings of your business, right? How to actually improve credit scores, how to go about that process and the, the, red, the red tape and stuff like that? Which Equal. Which yeah, equal. And, and you can't discount either one. You can't say, well, it's, it was all a, how actually to produce the letters and do the inner workings of the business. And you can't discount the structure of the business and then training people, putting together manuals and all that other uh, stuff that comes along with it. So there was a lot of time spent in both sides of that equation. Or when did you come about your niche? Was it was it something that you had out of the gate because you were in the mortgage industry? Did you already have your niche? Or was this this come after 2004 and you recognized that this can be a niche? This is how you can tell, set yourself apart from other credit repair companies? So when did I turn the corner on this and really make it my full-time job? The niche of catering to real estate investors and making sure that, and not even catering to real estate investors, but catering to tenant buyers. I would say that probably took a place around 2010, whenever I met Mr. Ron Legrand. And uh, Ron Legrand has sent me all his business since that time. And whenever he teaches people, he 
endorses us. And when that meeting happened between myself and Ron and my wife, uh, that we came up with our screening business that becomes the front end of the credit repair business, that's when this thing really turned the corner. So it was, it was meeting a key player and following and listening to very carefully to what he wanted and how he, need, he needed it delivered to his people and then adopting my business to that strategy. Tell me about 2009, the year before you meet Ron LeGrand. How is business going and, and what, is, what is your primary focus? And why do you think you were so receptive going into 2010? Why do you think you were so receptive to your situation? Because that could have been anybody, right, Paul? You could have said no. You could have been like, this guy is crazy. You could, I mean, so many different things could have happened. Why was it the perfect time? Why was it this, this the perfect vehicle? Why was he the perfect guy? Like, what happened the year before and what happened that year that kind of led to this? Well, this was the rags part of the story. And this is, I could write a book on this, DeRay. <laughs> I was living in a place that uh, they didn't even charge me for rent. Let's start with that. Uh, there was no bathroom in the place. So I had to go down to the gym and work out to be able to take a shower. <laughs> wow. So it was some pretty rough times. And that's the time that I met my wife. And, and she hunkered down and she said, you know what? You have a viable business here. You really need to put yourself in, in full force into this business. And when she believed in it, and she also, um, you know, helped me develop it and really sat down and was my right-hand man with this whole thing. When she went that far, that's where this thing really started to turn the corner. And it was through that and through those friends that were, I got to meet Ron. And uh, the t when we stepped up on the stage, we were ready for it and we were willing and able and accepting. And, uh, and Ron saw that and he, and he has, and since that time, we've been blessed over and over and over again. And I, and I also thank the Lord. The Lord was, is my savior and the Lord was there for me the entire time and helping guide me through this journey. I love that. I love that so much. And and so primarily before 2010, your focus was on helping any and everybody who needed, who needed their credit repaired. Like you were marketing everybody basically, which kind of sometimes we, we like to look at fast, you're marketing to nobody. So that was what you were doing before 2010. Now 2010 comes along and you have this opportunity and you're like, well, there's a certain subset of, let's just say real estate investors that have an exit strategy in which they need to get tenant buyers mortgage ready. Now, was did you approach Ron with this idea? Did he approach you with this idea? Had you already kind of worked on some of this stuff before and you knew exactly what to do or you had to kind of figure out things as, as it came along? How did that transpire? Boy, that's a great question. Did he approach me? Did I approach him? I can't remember. I remember being you know, in, in conferences with him and, and actually doing some um, pieces, much like you and I are doing today. But I, I don't remember who approached who. I think he approached me, to be honest with you. That's how if memory serves me correctly. He says, you know, Paul, you're already looking at the credit reports. You know, you all you really should do at this point in time is do a screening for them, do a criminal background check. And then, that he, and then he tells me the price. That I'm gonna, it's like, you're going to charge $50. I says, Ron, I can't do this for 50 bucks. You know, he's like, no, you're charging $50. I says, Ron, I'm charging $50. <laughs> I love I love and that's the way, that's the way that worked out. And to this day, the price remains 50 bucks for a screening. The Cadillac of screenings is what I like to say. That's beautiful. And, and I kind of just kind of want you to walk my listeners through kind of the Rolodex of things that you offered, because I mean, it's not only it's not only screening, but you're doing credit repair because you're catering to tenant buyers. You're also catering to real estate investors. Let's go ahead and kind of just jump into what it is that your company is doing and how, how amazing it actually is. There is no other company doing anything near what we're doing. Yes, there are screening companies out there. Yes, there are credit repair companies out there. 
but they don't do the business the way we do it and the way we deliver it. Here, let me let me expound upon that. Screening companies of TransUnion, Smart Moves, Landlord Station, all these companies that what they'll do is they'll take the credit report and the computer makes the decision based upon some preset criteria. And that's it. It's, it's, it's looking at past, present, future of things that are on your credit report. Your score is primarily uh, the, the major tool there. But that doesn't, in our industry, that doesn't tell you whether or not someone's going to cash out in a mortgage, get a mortgage two years from now. Uh, you know, that's basically the rent industry. So there, it's a, if you try to retrofit a rent decision-making process into a rent-to-own pro- procedure, it's not, it's not a true fit. So what is missing in that is can the person afford the house? And, you know, what would have to happen in order for that to occur? What would the action plan be for the tenant buyer? So we do a full debt to income ratio to figure out the affordability analysis. We basically, and actually I had software that I had written way back in the day when I was a mortgage uh, person and I also did some underwriting. Uh, So it has all the underwriting guidelines for FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac already built into it. So it knows the ratio is based upon even things like USDA, if the house is in a certain area that it can be USDA eligible and therefore you can be able to have a little bit more latitude with the amount of down payment and the back end ratio and so on. So it figures all this stuff out, the stuff that you, you really, most people don't want to sit down and calculate out. It figures out the affordability and it also takes into account the debts that are on the credit report. And then we teach the people, hey, don't go out and buy a brand new Mercedes right before you make your application because that will be a part of your debt to income ratio and you may kick yourself out of underwriting guidelines. DeRay, did you know the number one reason that people can't get a mortgage isn't credit score? And here's a credit repair person saying this to you. It's actually debt to income ratio. And that's basically how much money you make and how much money uh, you pour out per month, one number divided into the other number, and it kicks out that back-end ratio. And that's the number one reason. So if you're not doing all that, that calculation before you put somebody in your house, you're setting them up for failure. So that's that's just on that's just on the screening side. I think it'll be valuable as we enter this this next portion of the of the conversation because I do have listeners who are really really green. So they may just be like, you know, what is a tenant buyer, right? They're just like, right. Hey, some of this might be going over their heads. So let me let me take a step back really quick. What we're doing as an exit strategy with with tenant buyers is we're putting buyers in place, right? So let's just say there's a hundred thousand dollar property. It's been on the market for um, six months, it's been on the market for a year, and it's listed at $100,000, but there's literally nobody buying the property. And there's nothing wrong with the property. It's updated. People would love to live there. Maybe it's just, maybe the value of it is just not where it needs to be, or maybe the owner is not willing to budge and, and bring the price down. Well, maybe there's somebody who doesn't qualify for a loan, or there's, they're not mortgage ready today. These people actually make up more of the market than people who are actually mortgage ready, right? So you have people who are mortgage ready, but they're looking at the property like, eh, it's not really worth it. But you have most of the market who are not mortgage ready looking at that property and they would die for that property, right? right. Um, they're, just, they're just not mortgage ready. So with this exit strategy, we're getting those people in the property today contingent 
that they're going to be able to get qualified for a loan in the next six to 12 to 24 to even 36 months. This allows us to sell that property that wasn't selling at $100,000. This allows us to sell that property at $100,000 or maybe even $110,000, right? And it's one of those things to where now as a real estate investor, you're able to make a whole lot more money, not only um, with the purchase price, but also with the monthly payments um, because this person is getting on what we like to call a rent to own system. So they're renting the property for a specified amount of time until they're mortgage ready. And what you guys do, you guys really take them through the entire process from screening to credit repair. I had a question the other day from one of my clients and he was just like, well, I'm thinking about doing the lease option and I just don't know how long to make the terms. I'm trying to construct the terms with the seller, I believe. And I was just like, well, you make the terms for as long as possible. But he was like, well, how do I know how long the term with the tenant buyer will be? I was like, that's where you guys come in, right? And I kind of want you to explain that process, right? Using the $100,000 house. I just wanted to kind of give the listeners a brief overview, just in case they're just like, what's a tenant buyer? Who, who, you know, how is this valuable to me? This is a way for you to profitably overpay for property, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Paul? Well, yeah, I wanted to actually add a little piece to that. And, and there's a big question mark a lot of people have that will be listening to uh, this broadcast and many others is why would somebody, why in the world would somebody buy a property for 110 when it's total, when it's valued right now at $100,000? And the answer is terms. Because you're offering terms and, and, and also ingrained in those terms is a futuristic value. Remember, I'm selling you that property as if you were purchasing it three years from now. That's when we're going to be at our second closing table. I call that the cash out closing table. The first closing table is the one where you get the keys and you move into the house. So since the properties appreciate in value, that's why th- this is a more attractive deal. At 110000 even though it's above market value, that's a futuristic price. Plus, when I say I enunciate that it's about terms, remember, the people don't have to come up with 110000 today, even though if they've got damaged credit or if they've got uh, debt-to-income ratios issues, they're self-employed, they, they don't show their income just yet. Actually, I have... DeRay, I bought my last two houses using lease purchase, lease option, or rent-to-own. Terms are synonymous. The people that are buying it like to refer to it as rent-to-own. We in this industry call it lease option or lease purchase. But the reason why that happens is because of that. So from my standpoint, what I do that's, that's really special in that is when people come to me, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that the, you know, how long is it going to take for them to be mortgage ready? Well, I've looked at 10,000 credit reports or more. And I have seen what it takes. And I know with this industry, I've, I've probably disputed information on 5,000 credit reports or more. I've probably done 50,000 disputes or more. So I know what items are going to come off and what items are going to remain based, up, based upon the dispute resolution process that we engage in. And I and what we do here at the specials, we put the pedal to the metal, DeRay. We get it done as quickly as we possibly can. All credit repair companies are not created equal. Here's what you're going to get from everybody else in the industry that I've talked to. And I've talked, I know my competition very, very well. What they do is they dispute one thing at a time. Lexington Law, creditrepair.com. You've got 10 negative items on one credit report. What happens is that's about 30 across three credit bureaus. They'll dispute one thing every 45 days. Do the quick math. Now we're talking about years before they even get through the first level of disputes. And really, things come off in the second, third time around whenever you dispute things. That same client, I would dispute all 30 negative items. Now, I might only get seven, eight, nine items off. That'd be an average set of results. But that's a quantum leap. 
from sitting there maybe getting one item off in 45 days. So that pedal to the metal attitude is, is the reason why I can tell you what the end date is before you even start my service. And our maximum end date is nine months. You'll never get an end date from anybody else before they even start. That's the, 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 the key thing. And when I say that all credit repair companies are not created equal, that's the key thing. As a real estate investor, I let you know how long it's going to be and what the action plan is going to be in place before they even start. I love that. I love that. That's, that's beautifully said. And, you know, again, I love to draw examples because going back to what you said, I mean, the fact that a tenant buyer, right, somebody who's looking for a property that's not able to get financing, so therefore they're not able to buy a home today. Right. Um, the fact that you're able to put them in a home as a real estate investor, you're able to put them in a home, a home of their choosing, right? A home that they're taking ownership of. They're locking down a price of $110,000 today, even though, let's just say, even though the market value of that property is $100,000. In three years, when they actually cash out, when they actually get, get financing, that property may be worth $115,000, $120,000, $125,000. They capture all of that equity. They capture all of that appreciation. They capture all of that upside. So again, they're, they're locking in their price today, which is phenomenal. So going back to what Paul says is the biggest question is like, why would I overpay for a property? Why would they overpay for a property? Well, they're not truly overpaying for a property. They're locking in their rate today. And then on the seller side, you know, a seller has listed a, a property for the past six months, one year at $100,000, and it's not selling. Not only is it not selling, but if it did sell, fees associated with that sale, including a realtor's commission, which is on an average 6%, plus closing costs and other fees, I mean, you're, you're not going to get $100,000. You, you'll be lucky to get $90,000. You position yourself as an investor who's solving the problem with not only a seller, but a tenant buyer, and you can make a lot of magic happen. So, Paul, I want to further this, this process a little bit more. So let's say we get the property on the contract with the seller. And so I was like, okay, yes, I'm willing to do this. I know that I'll get cashed out at the end of this process. What happens next, right? So now we start marketing to tenant buyers. I want to go back to your portion of what you guys are offering in this process. So let's just say we have a tenant buyer. We have a few tenant buyers that are like, hey, we're interested in this property. We send them to the property and we tell them like, hey, here's some of the next steps. Um, we want to see where you are as far as your mortgage qualification. So we're going to send you to Paul and Paul is going to take care of you. And then we send them to you. What happens next? Well, the process of sending them to us. Um, as you can tell in talking with us, we have a superior, I like to think, and, and many people will agree with me, that we have a superior screening pr procedure and a superior credit repair process. Those two together, tied together, are the ultimate lease option exit strategy. The reason why I haven't taken over this whole industry and had everyone sending everything to us um, to this point in time is the delivery of how I've been, I've been remiss in my process of how to send people to us. We just perfected this about two weeks ago, and you're gonna. This show here is gonna be the first grand rollout of this this new process. This is what it includes, and this works. It works beautifully. I've been doing it for about the last two weeks. People have been registering. Wait till you hear how this works. So what happens is we now put up a link on our website at, at prequalteam.com, and it it says free membership registration. I love that word free. And it truly is free. All they got to do is click on this free membership registration and up comes a little form. They fill out six questions. And when they do that, they're basically telling us who they are. And what happens is it kicks out three main components. First is two email, an email that has two videos in it. One for them, the, how they, so they learn about the process. They learn what, what the, 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 
you know, the, the specifics are about how we do our business. The second one is for the tenant buyer. So what the tenant buyer sees whenever they apply. The third thing that that's going to kick out is a customized branded link. And now that is a really cool thing because, for example, DeRay, if you had a link and you uh, had your name to be um, the trigger mechanism, it would say uh, apply.prequalteam slash DeRay. So now when people see that, they don't see some bit.ly link that looks like it's something somebody's trying to steal their identity or something. It's a very known it tells you in the link what it's actually going to do when they click on that they're going to have they're going to see this your tenant buyer is going to see a beautiful um, professionally done application that it has has graphics in the background and has logic built into it it knows if there's one or two people to not put this whole second person on there it has uh, testimonials in the bottom of it it has all kind of it answers questions with bubbles and things like that really cool stuff there so this, this application, when they fill it out, they, oh, and by the way, your name is already on the application when they open it up. Your name and your company name and your email address and your phone number. And I've made it so that this is the, the, the one, that, this is not your personal email and your personal phone number. You have the opportunity to put in the one you want the public to see. So now they open it up, they, they, oh, that, they, they, they now see that this is the property, this is the person, and then when they hit that submit button, they hit it with confidence. And then they get a video that basically teaches them about the procedure. And again, all this is free to your listeners for listening to this today because of the registration process that we've now put in place. So we're really excited about it here in the company because we're just rolling this out now. I can't wait to hop on that myself because, again, I love how your all of your processes work. So a tenant buyer uh, comes across one of our properties and they're like, hey, like I'm interested in this. They go by and view the property and we're like, hey, we want to see where you are. And your credit, credit worthiness, we're going to send you to Paul and or we're going to actually send, send them a link at this point, right? As yeah. May, may I interject one more thing? It's also going to send you a script. What you're, what, you're, what you're reiterating to me right now as to how you would address somebody, it's going to send you a very professional script with the words very, very carefully chosen. So now you're going to basically recite that script to them. It drives them to the link. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, perfect, perfect, perfect. So once they go through the link, it basically gives them all the instructions that they need. Once they get you guys their information, what do you guys do on your end? And what do you guys provide to us as the investors? What do you guys provide to the tenants? And how does that process uh, emerge after that? I am so glad you asked that. So here's what happens. Once they hit that submit button, remember your name was already engraved on this thing in your email address. When they hit that, the instant they hit that, you're CC'd their entire application. So you know that they applied and that they're and everything, everything that is on their application. You see all that, it's all transparent. You'll then receive a, a uh, an invitation from our crew here, because we work in uh, a piece of software called Podio. And you'll see receive an invitation from our crew that you can track and follow along with the progress. That, as with my competitors, the one thing that they do it's kind of better than what I do is they render the decision instantaneously as soon as that application is submitted. But now remember, in my world, whenever they submit that application, they've got to talk to a, a credit expert. We've got to do a full debt-to-income ratio analysis, and now I need to get their income documentation in. So there is more information. They're actually talking to humans, and they're, they're going to go and, and, uh, and do some things. So it's usually about a three- to four-day process before we render. We don't render a decision. We don't render a yes or no. We render um, if they 
we give you the criminal background check, Megan's law report, you know, and all the background stuff associated with it, plus that debt to income ratio, which is a disclosure form that they actually have to sign to say that they're not going to materially change their income or their debt load. So we give you all this stuff that's that's all going to be part of this package. Again, they pay for it. So it's, again, to the real estate investor, all this stuff is free because they're going to pay, instead of paying a $30 application fee, they're going to pay a $50 application fee. Remember, this is a rent to own. This is not a rent. You know, so put it in a different category. They're eager to pay fifty dollars to get. Now again, we're not. We don't render the decision. We send the report off to you, and we let you know how long is it going to be for them to be mortgage ready and what needs to occur in order for that to to happen. And then the credit piece of it kicks in too. I'm sorry. Go ahead, DeRay. Yep. So one thing I want to interject on is is the fact that you guys are not rendering a decision, and you guys you guys are basically. Tell, telling us exactly like what it what it takes like hey this if they do x y and z this is how long it may this is how long we project it will take so when when you guys are thinking about that you know think about your pool of sellers right and you have some sellers that are like hey i, I need to be cashed out in a year some sellers need to be cashed out in three years so you're not you're not we're, we're not in the we're not in the business of, of trying to say well if Paul gives me a report and the report says hey this this tenant's not going to be mortgage ready for the next two years well there's no way I can fit that person into the property if they want a property in which the seller's looking to get uh, get cash out in the next one year so you have to play matchmaker you have to master the tenant buyer to a property in which they can qualify for so it's not an automatic thing it's not an automatic decision and also paul on his end they're not making the decision for us they're giving us their recommendation and we're using that to match the puzzle pieces together does that make sense yeah and i'll even go as far as of you know especially for people who are new to this, to the, the procedure, I'll talk to them personally and I'll, and I'll let them know, you know, what my feeling is on this. Cause I remember I'm, I'm, we're talking to these people from a credit standpoint. Oftentimes we talk to them for half an hour and we're finding out things in that discussion that uh, may be alarming. So, you know, we're looking at this from a different angle and we're saying, you know, I'll, I'll, I've been as far as to say, you know, this person's definitely worth taking the chance on. This person really looks to be a strong candidate. So I'll, I'll go that far, but I, I wouldn't, I, I don't say yes or no. Yeah, I love that. So is there anything that you can think of that we haven't covered? In the well, the main question is, I, I get is, you know, what's the distinction? Why, why us rather than, you know, uh, Lexington Law? Uh, from the credit rep repair standpoint, you know, what magic wand do you guys have that other people, other uh, companies don't? And that really goes back to our methodology. And, and when we do this, we save the data from years and we see what works and what doesn't work. And we're always trying new things. And I'm, I'm part of a, a larger group of, of credit repair companies and we compare notes. So we know, you know, what's working and what isn't now may not be the same thing was working or wasn't uh, several years back. So it's staying up on it that, that really matters. Um, as far as real estate investors with frequently asked questions, um, I guess probably the most frequently asked question is, is how do we get a tenant buyer over to you? And I would say, just look at the videos and look at the script and the answer. The answer to these questions is in the registration process. And it's only two, three minute videos and one script is one paragraph long. So those answers are, it's all very carefully written. So uh, I would strongly encourage that to be the teaching mechanism uh, going forward. And what's the link to the registration again? Go to prequalteam.com, P-R-E-Q-U-A-L-T-E-A-M.com. And there's a big, funny-looking, wheel-like-looking red 
a button in the lower left-hand corner says uh, free membership registration. And underneath it says something about real estate investors. So click that and it opens up the six questions. You fill it out. And uh, the computer actually is the one that puts together the links and everything and sends it all out to you within 10 minutes. I love it. And what's the, what's the charge on the investor's end? Oh, you love this. Zero. That's beautiful. So once an investor does go through this process and start sending you guys the tenant buyers for screenings, mm-hmm. and credit repairs, things like that, what does is, what is the tenant buyer have to be responsible of and over what time period? Yeah. And the reason why it is zero for the real estate investor is because the tenant buyer pays for the application fee, which is $50 per person. Husband and wife is considered two people. That's 50 bucks or a piece. So it's $100. So, and if they do inc- the credit repair, and to be honest with you, DeRay, the screening company, I don't make any money. It's, it's all, that's how much money I pay for the criminal background check, running all the uh, reports and uh, getting the credit report and putting it all together. That's what I got to pay my people to do it. I don't make any money there. The reason I do all that for that little amount is again, going back to the run the grand conversation. That's what you're going to charge. So that's what I charge. Um, it, but I also get credit repair leads from it. I do make money in credit repair, and that's why this whole thing works for me. That's why it's so inexpensive. I was trying to charge $79 for the, for the screening. That would have been a fair price to pay, a uh, fair market markup for something like that. But no, I, I'm, I, I do do the credit repair at $120 per person. And remember I said it was a maximum of nine months? So if you hear of other companies charging 50 bucks, there's no end date. There's usually about a $300 setup fee with something like that. So you get what you pay for. That company is going to dispute one thing at a time for $50 a month. I don't think I would want to do business with them. I, in, in this world where it's so key that we're cashing out, we're seeing with that second closing table, we have to get there. You know, the stakes are very high for everybody because the house may be turning into a pumpkin. You may only have that house t- tied up for three years. And now you've got a guy in there for a two-year uh, lease option. So do you really want them to cash out? Well, guess what? If you've got a back end on that thing where you're making $50,000 when you cash out on that property, you really do want them to cash out, right? Because you only got $5,000, $10,000 up front, but you're getting fifty dollars on the back. So each house in each contract has a different level or strategy that's going to be incorporated in. I like to work with people who always want to see people cash out because we live in communities. In our communities, we go to churches and we go to school and our kids go to schools and we go to the shopping center. And in that community, if you took somebody's hard-earned uh, $15,000, dollars $30,000 down payment and they were unable to cash out, now you go to see that person at church next week or, or so on. You get the picture here. You want to do what's wholesome and right and good and feel good about it. There's a lot of ways in this business to make money. Um, in a very uh, unscrupulous way, but if you do what's right, we do what's right with your with your own um, uh, ideology. Or, excuse me, you do what's right with your own integrity, um, and follow and follow your your instinctive guides, uh, and get people cashed out. You're going to do so much better in this business because you'll be in it for the long run. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well said. And again, it's one of those things to where you do have um, some investors who are, who do operate out of integrity. And I've heard some of those stories and people purposely put in tenant buyers who they know will never qualify just to get a large down payment, just to move on to the next one and rinse and repeat that process. And it's, it's a very ugly thing to do. And I'm glad that I'm so glad that you touched on that. 
Um, so make sure that guys out there that you haven't even gotten started yet, make sure first off you're learning this strategy from a reputable person. Um, we do teach this over at beforethemillions.com. So if you guys want to learn more about the motivated seller strategy, more about owner financing, more about subject tools and wholesaling, um, head over to beforethemillions.com. Kind of just wrapping up with the investor side of things. So once the tenant buyer has gone through the entire process, what, what are some of the reports? What do those reports look like? And how, how long does it take to get those reports so that we can make our decision on if we want a tenant buyer to occupy the, uh, the property? It's three to four days. Uh, the, the very unique report is that debt-to-income ratio that we talked about because it's got spin buttons in it. It's the, what we play in the perfect form. And, and Microsoft Excel is where this whole thing was written. What if the guy's score was 770 rather than 470? What if he brought in 15,000 rather than 10? Now, and you're going to love this one. If the guy sitting here and he's paying $1,500 a month for rent for the property, but I figure out that the mortgage is going to be $2,000 a month whenever he cashes out at a 4% interest rate two or three years from now based upon the amount of money he put down and the taxes and insurance and so on, that creates what's called, um, uh, that's where you have payment shock. Okay, so the guy is paying 1500 now. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to be paying $2,000 a month when he cashes out. The underwriter, first thing he's going to say is, how do we know that this person's going to be able to pay that? That payment shock is a strike against them. It doesn't mean that their loan's declined. But to fix that, so if they went through my program, it would show in red that this is a payment shock, a potential payment shock problem. And I've gone back to people and said, you know, you're setting up this tenant buyer for a failure with this payment shock thing. You should be charging $2,000 a month. And the people said, you're right. Let me take a look at that. And they go back to the tenant buyer and guess what? The tenant buyer agrees and says, no, yeah, I understand. I don't want this to be a stumbling block whenever we go to uh, get the house. Yes, I'm willing to pay $2,000 a month. You should start charging a consulting fee. How much did you make that person? <laughs> <laughs> well, the difference between, but yeah, you're right. That's a whole, I mean, guys, just in case you don't understand what Paul is saying, I mean, the, we, when you, when you're, when you're, setting your prices for for the, the actual renting part of the rent to own a lot of the times you are looking at market right you're looking at what other properties in the area are renting for and you're you're wanting to be in that range but again if you're looking at the actual tenant buyers qualifications and what's going to get the mortgage ready and if their mortgage is going to come out to two thousand dollars a month everything included and right now you're charging them fifteen hundred dollars a month through that renting process goes back to that shock like yes, like that. That's what the mortgage. That's what the rents are in the area. But again, this doesn't match up to the the image that lenders need to see to make sure that this is a safe investment for them. So does that? Is, did I cover that? Yeah, that, very well said. Very well said. You want to set them up for success um, all along the way. And see, you know, my wife and I were also real estate investors too. So we kind of have a third business poked in here: the screening, the credit repair, and the real estate investor. So. We understand all this stuff. We understand the nomenclature of this industry. We're not going to say anything that will mess up your deal, you know, because we we understand that you may not own the property. You might just be controlling the property. So when we address tenant buyers, we say the person who sent you to us, the person who controls the property, not the owner of the property. We we don't want to misrepresent things. It's almost like it's a family. I think it is a family business. What are some of your goals here in the near future? Where do you see your your company in the next two, three, five, ten years? what's What's your more immediate goal? Well, I'm 60. I just turned 60 this past year. So I don't want I don't want to be in this thing forever. I'd like to be out of this uh, within 10 years. So I would like to see my business double 
in 2020. So we've, that's what all this software gearing up, that's what we're doing right now is, is to gear up to be able to double. I think I'm, I'm trying to intentionally set my standards low because I want to see them, um, I, I, want to, I want to be successful regardless. So um, if you're talking about, did that answer your question or you're, you're asking it more from a growth standpoint in terms of the size of the company? No, 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 that was perfect. That was perfect. And so I'm interested to see why you are so interested in this growth. Why is this a goal of yours? I don't think my lifestyle will change too much if my business doubles. I don't think that that's the major component thereof. I'd like to be able to leave something to my children and to my grandchildren. So I'd like to be able to, when I say, um, you know, I want automation. We've spent a lot of time on automation here in the last couple of last six months or so. And, um, so I want to be able to have to walk away and have it run itself. You are listening to the Before the Millions. Before the Millions podcast. I just wanted to quickly jump in before I give Paul a chance to wrap up the episode for us. Look, if you haven't yet signed up for the four keys to building a lifestyle business masterclass where I explain to you exactly how you are going to profitably get started building your real estate business to create passive income for you, meaning income for you every single month while simultaneously making you those large payouts, getting you those large assignment fees. If you are interested in building a business that does both of those for you at the same time, then head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash master class. Okay, so I'll see you on there. Prepare for a few surprises and um, a few bonuses as well. You know, just talking to Paul, I realized that I needed to have a module, an entire lesson in my course, the Motivated Seller Method, dedicated to his process. So not only are we recording this podcast episode, but we're getting ready to create a whole module inside the Motivated Seller Method. But the important thing here is that we're going to discuss all of this on the masterclass. You're going to learn my strategy from beginning to end, how I incorporate tenant buyers and how we do all of this with none of our own cash, credit, a bank, uh, financing, private investors, experience, education in the space yet, because you'll get that education during the masterclass. Um, just bring you that's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash masterclass. And now we'll have Paul wrap this episode up for us. And folks, if you're not with somebody like DeRay, if you're not with somebody, you got to get with somebody. You got to be around people who think the same way that where you want to be and people who have been there and done that. And to think that you can bite it off and do it all by yourself uh, by going to a couple of um, RIA meetings, uh, that's a good start. Um, but RIA meetings aren't going to get you all the way there. You need to gravitate to somebody who's in this industry that you respect and has the knowledge and the tools to deliver the content to you. Um, for those people who sit there and have analysis by paralysis, um, or did I say that backwards? Paralysis by analysis. Um, I would encourage you just to get out there and and do something and and meet with people and talk with them and uh, and make offers and and uh, listen to you know the teachings of of very sharp people in the industry like DeRay. That shell that we all want to just be able to nuzzle up and and just be able to be safe inside our little shell and stay inside our little world. Um, 
you know, when, when you rid yourself of that little shell and then the people that think the same way, I call them the soothsayers of doom, the people that don't think that you can succeed and they're there to tell you how crazy you're thinking in order because you're going to take your last $2,000 and invest it in some course. Um, you know, those people need to, you need to step aside and, and think how, how much do I respect you know, those are the same people that are going nine to five, you know, so you need to start thinking differently. Stinking thinking leads to more stinking thinking. You got to get yourself out there and take chances. Act, 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 you know, just, just do, make mistakes by God. If you make a mistake, the real growth is what you do with that information about, about the mistake that you made. Even if it's going and taking your last $2,000 and buying a course because you bought the wrong course and you got along with the wrong person, that's a mistake. But that's a good mistake to make because you learn something. And now the next time you scratch together 3000 bucks, you're going to go to the right person. Uh, so don't penalize yourself for the mistakes. Uh, pat yourself on the back for taking that plunge. We're looking forward to partnering with you. We're looking forward to learning from you. And we're looking forward to helping you and your tenant buyers accomplish your goals. Because when you're successful, we're successful.